And welcome everyone to Answers for Elders Radio. And I hope everyone is having a wonderful beginning of spring. And I know that I am looking out around our gardens and everything like that and starting to see a little bit of green pop in. I know I have some little tiny um, buds on my rose bushes and that really makes me happy. And even what makes me even more happy is we have an incredible guest and one of our very favorites, the wonderful Daphne Davis from Pinnacle Senior Placement is here with us today. Daphne, you're joining us from Shalam. I am today. I'm so excited to be uh, in Chelan with, uh, in the state of Washington that has bright sunny blue skies and snow-peaked mountains. And I'm looking at the lake and life is good. Yeah. Well, one of these days I have to get over there. So, But, you know, you, we had talked a little bit before our interview today and I'm really looking forward to our discussion because I think so many families have a personal story of someone that they loved and as they passed away um, and talking about the end of life. And I know that Daphne, you have a recent personal story and certainly it's something that I think a lot of us have questions about, but you know, one of the things you said to me that really rang true with me was the fact that people don't necessarily talk about that. And so we're going to kind of break that little barrier today and we're going to talk about the end of life process and how, um, you know, families can best be, I guess, aware and um, understand the different resources that are available to them. And so, Daphne, I'm so glad you're here to share not only your story, but obviously the answers to making that process easier for everybody. So welcome again to be here. Well, thank you. And and my husband and I were just in Colorado, and my mother-in-law recently passed away a couple of days ago. And the thing that really spurred me to want to talk about this was being sure that our families had resources um, to help them through this mm -hmm. definite part of life. Right. Um, death is a part of life, and it's. Um, I'm hoping that after this podcast today, there can be a little less mystery to it mm -hmm. and maybe a little more openness, particularly, I mean, this is a time that you can lean on your spiritual faith. This is a time that you can lean on your family. Um, certainly a time to be bold and ask questions that we typically are uncomfortable asking or saying even particular words. Mm -hmm. um, I learned Firsthand, I mean, I've been doing this job for 21 years, helped a lot of people through this chapter of their life. Mm -hmm. But when it's your family, you have different emotions that come up. And yeah, when you're a part of the family dynamic, you are aware of some of the other feelings that people will have. Or more importantly, we make up stuff. And we assume things about other people in our family. And so the most important thing that um, I want to start out with is communication. Courageous, loving, kind communication is really what's needed. Um, as we go through this hour of conversation about the process of going through this chapter of our life, the, the chapter where you're actually going through what we call an active dying process, mm -hmm. um, I hope that it will be less mysterious. Mm -hmm. And so some of this conversation might be a little bit uncomfortable for some of us here today, 
but have courage and stick with us. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think some of the things that you're saying is so true because a lot of us out there may be having what's called a healthcare directive, quote unquote, um, in their, uh, you know, from their parents. And you may think, oh, well, that, you know, I'll just be able to make quote unquote decisions, but that involves also end of life. Um, and, and many of us are put in that position. I know I was, I know I'm sure your family was where, you know, you have options at the end of their life and it's really on your shoulders on what is the best decision. And I, I think one of the things that you really resonated or I resonated with was it's one thing to tell somebody else, this is how the process works. But when it comes to your own family, um, therein is where the, the uh, rubber meets the road. And I know to this day, it's so funny because we've discussed this. Yes, I know intellectually I made the right end of life decision for my mother. I know I did. But there's still this little tinge of guilt inside of me that says, maybe she wanted to say something to me. Maybe there was something that she needed to get off of her chest. You know, did I take that away from her? All these questions that you ask yourself. And I've talked to other people that have gone through exactly the same process and they feel the same way because we all feel like, you know, did we do right by them? And so I, I, I'm assuming this is very normal for people to feel this way. Is I, I, believe so. I believe so. Um, and how to eliminate some of these emotions that can come up, whether we want to call them guilt or second guessing yourself, yeah. Yeah. guilt playing God or, you know, whatever your brain goes to. Mm-hmm. One way to eliminate that is by having conversations with the person who's on hospice or palliative care. Very now, true. we're going to talk about some of those, those um, uh, terms. But have conversation before. And I'd like to use my recent story with my mother-in-law, Margaret, and I I know that she would be fine with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But she has, just to give you a little bit of background, she has lived a very full life, very active, um, had no dementia, no cognitive uh, challenges at all. She's 88 years old. Um, But she did have Parkinson's and she did have COPD. Um, she had congestive heart failure as well. And so she had been, you know, working through those disease processes, I would say for about nine to 10 years at different wow. stages. Amazing. Acutely, probably in the last five years and severely in the last year. Mm-hmm. And so I name these diseases because they are progressive mm-hmm. and they're not. They're not ones that are going to be cured. And that's an important piece to add to the discussions that you have, that when you're considering these conversations and learning about palliative, which is more curative, still possible to do curative treatments, still have the hope of a disease process being cured, Mm -hmm. at the same time having comfort and having quality of life as much as possible, whereas hospice is not curative. When you go to a hospice service, that's when you've decided, I don't want to do any of the curative. If it's a cancer thing, I don't want to do chemo anymore. Um, I want to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. I want to have quality of life. 
and let's figure out what that means to that particular person in terms of comfort and quality of life. Mm-hmm. But those are the broad chain differences between palliative and hospice. Right. Um, they're paid for differently. Palliative is usually paid for by a private insurance, by your health insurance. Um, sometimes it has to be paid for privately. Sometimes it's not even available depending upon where you live. Whereas right. hospice is completely paid for by your Medicare. Right, right. Now, so you were in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So obviously their processes are a little different than what they are here in Washington State. Um, obviously, we have families right now that may have senior loved ones in other states that we may be concerned about. Let's say that mom or dad are, have been diagnosed. How does somebody find out, like, what the rules are in that state like where would they go because here's here's a considering situation let's just say mom or dad has been diagnosed with lung cancer right there may be a better solution for here in washington to bring them here right or maybe not that could be a considering decision could it not it it definitely could if there was one thing i learned and it's not because i do this job but if there's one thing i learned is you do need to have a third-party advocate you as a as a family member are having such a hard time right. um, in terms of figuring out how do I manage my emotions, how do I manage my my intellect, what questions am I supposed to ask? I'm sleep deprived, I'm stressed out, I'm worried about my mom. Now I'm, I'm emotionally worried. charged yes. by not only the situation but by siblings. Yes, but everybody has their own opinion about where you know what should happen, and none of it is coming from a logical professional mindset. It's coming no. from emotion. Yeah, and so I mean the doctors, her the person's primary care uh, physician should have some information to right. reach out if there's a hospitalization. Ask to talk to a hospice or a palliative care coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, Start that process of having some information shared with you. Please get to the place of understanding. If you're asking for those those services or to gather information, that's not saying this person is going to die. No. That's saying that we want to be prepared. I mean, I can I know the feeling I had, and Margaret and I had many conversations about her choices. Wow. But when it comes right down to it and you say, Margaret, do you want to be comfortable for today and tomorrow, or do you want to keep doing services mm-hmm. so that you're alive in three months or six oh. months or a year? That's very right. hard to ask someone, but it is necessary. It is a part of the openness. And it takes courage to ask those questions. Um, a lot of courage and a lot of, um, you know, I think the other thing that just to close up this segment is if our listeners are um, have a health care directive um, for their loved one, um, know that they've placed their trust in you and they trust your judgment and believe in that. And I think that's one of the things that I've come to, the fact that, you know, trust your own advocacy, you know, be that advocate, you know, share in that heart and, and know that you can trust in that process. And I think that's something that we definitely could um, all benefit from reminding ourselves for. Absolutely. They chose you to be their power of attorney or healthcare medical um, power of attorney for a reason. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. hopefully, this is what I want you to walk away from in this segment. Talk to them. 
Right. Now ask that person that has empowered you to be their advocate what they're really like and have the courage to talk about scenarios. Now, if that's something that's a little difficult, you call Pinnacle Senior Placements or someone like us. Um, you will, we're going to talk about doulas, end-of-life doulas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an excellent resource. It's not well-known, but an excellent Right. Excellent it's resource. new. It well, is. Coming up, we are going to spend this hour talking about that that is uncomfortable. And so in the meantime, if you are struggling with a loved one and at the end of life, you certainly can call Daphne. And Daphne, how do we reach you? On the phone, you reached me at 855-734-1500. And always check out our website at PinnacleSeniorPlacements.com. Awesome. And everyone, Daphne will be right back right after this. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform. 